Hi, I'm Michelle Adams, and welcome back to the Beyond Words podcast. This is the place where we sit down with the writers of your favourite books and talk to them about the inspiration behind the stories that they write. In each episode of this podcast, you'll get the chance to meet the author behind one of my favourite books and be introduced to a novel that I have personally loved and which I think and hope you'll love too. Beyond Words is where the story continues once the final page has been turned. Hello and welcome back to the Beyond Words podcast. It's my absolute pleasure this week to bring this conversation with um, a writer based in California who has written a book that I absolutely fell in love with. The book is called The Lost Diary of Venice and it introduced me to the idea of a palimpsest, and I hope I said that correctly, which is a book that was written on vellum and then erased for another book to be written on top. And so we join the story in a beautiful and cosy bookstore in the time when palimpsest is being discovered. And it's such a wonderfully rich and emotional story, so beautifully written. And um, I really hope that this conversation inspires you uh, to pick up this book. It's an absolute pleasure today to introduce you to Margot Deru, who is a debut author. She had her first book, The Lost Diary of Venice, released in the US during lockdown, and it has just come out in the UK. And this conversation was an absolute pleasure for me. So I really hope that you enjoy this episode today. I'm so grateful to have the chance to talk to you today on this podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm, this is my first book, so all of this is new to me. So I'm, I'm excited to do any, I'm very excited by all of it. It's such an exciting time when it's your debut and it's the first, like everything is a first mm-hmm. and it's, it's such a lovely period. Are you enjoying it? Is it what you expected? I didn't really, I mean, A, I didn't really know what to expect and I thought it was probably better not to have expectations. Um, yeah. But then B, this year is so bizarre that, you, you know, you just have to say, I'm, I'm grateful in a way that it's my first novel, so I don't have anything to compare it to. I feel like yes. if I had previously released books and gotten the whole book tour experience and then, yeah. you know, had to release a book now, I might be missing that. And instead, I'm just excited for all of it and you know have no idea what I'm missing out on <laughs> so, but I am looking forward to hopefully getting the chance to do a, a more normal um book release at some point in the future with with another project you know fingers crossed so and and what about in the U.S. when when the U.S. edition released were you in lockdown at the time yeah yeah we had just it was okay. it was not only lockdown but it was in the midst of you know our summer was very active and chaotic and um, a lot of really important issues coming up socially that were, you know, way more important than my debut novel. (laughs) So, um, and so it was an odd time. Um, And for me personally, it was a moment where you just sort of had to say, okay, there's more important things happening. And, and this is, um, and this is just how it how 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 it's going um yeah and so now that 
the year has worn on, um, I am excited to, to still be um, promoting the book and, you know, having, maybe having a little bit more of a chance to connect with readers and to feel okay sharing it on Twitter. I, I honestly didn't, I felt weird even promoting a book on Twitter this summer. I was like, this yeah. is, I feel like I yeah. should be talking about something else, something more important, something, you know? And so now I'm starting to feel like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling comfortable saying, you know, Hey, please read my book. <laughs> like, That's amazing. And you still have the paperback launches to come mm-hmm. yeah. in the year ahead, I'm assuming. Yes, so. yes, yes, yes. Uh, hopefully that, that launch will be a little bit more like a normal launch for you. I hope so. I hope so. Um, but honestly, you know, it's just I'm grateful for every little thing. So um, every, every aspect of it has been rewarding. And for me, I'm a huge introvert. And so it's a way to connect with people and, and having readers reach out on you know, Instagram or message me or yeah. you know, I, like that just makes my day every time that happens. And so, yeah, I'm That's every amazing. little bit, I'm just, I'm really grateful for and excited about. So yeah, I'm, That's- I am excited for the, the, the launch of the paperback, but I'm also just, you know, um, yeah, I, I think the only word I can come back to is grateful. So and just enjoying the moment, I suppose. Yeah. You only get to launch the first time once. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is the space to talk about <laughs> your book. So please tell me about what The Lost Diary of Venice is all about. Okay. Um, so like a, a little brief synopsis. It starts with a, a book restorer. Couldn't help but put a book restorer in there. I'm such a, a fan <laughs> of like cozy libraries and archives and all of that. So my one of my main characters is a book restorer, a shy book restorer whose name is Rose. And she's dealing with the loss of her father who she'd been caretaking. Um, and one rainy day, an artist named William comes into her store um, and he has a 16th century treatise on art that he wants her to, uh, to repair. And she really quickly realizes that it's a palimpsest and that's where there's two documents. One has been scraped away and written over. And so immediately there's a little bit of a mystery. You know, what does that first text say? What's hiding here? Um, but then in addition to the mystery, there's also the complication that Rose and William have an immediate attraction and William is married. So it's, you know, it's complicated right off the bat. Um, and then we jump five centuries earlier to Venice, which is right when they were on the brink of war with the Ottoman Empire. Um, and we meet William's ancestor, Giovanni, who's a renowned painter, but who's losing his sight. And in response to the loss of sight, he starts to keep a diary to record his memories. Um, And he's just been commissioned to paint the courtesan to a military commander. He knows it's probably going to be his last painting, um, but what he doesn't expect is to fall in love with the courtesan. And so this is a very dangerous relationship as well because she's the courtesan to someone very powerful. Um, And it all plays out against this backdrop of war. And so as Rose and William in the modern setting discover this, the, that the hidden document is Giovanni's diary, they uncover his story, they uncover his love story, and they're also sort of forced to confront their own relationship and feelings. So that's the book in a nutshell. <laughs> There's so much about it that I want to talk to you about. Um, and I don't know where to start, but 
Um, let's just jump on an idea that you just mentioned in, in your synopsis there about, and I might not say it correctly, but a, pal a palimpest. I, yeah. Did I get it right? That's amazing. I, I, I'm pronouncing words. <laughs> the palimpsest. I, palimpsest. I had to. Palimpsest. I had to watch videos of people actually uh, repairing them to really understand how to pronounce it. Well, talk to me a little bit about that because when I first discovered it in your novel, I'd never heard of something like this before. Is it something that's quite common from history that that people have discovered these that these are sort of revealing documents? Um, yes, so it, it sort of depends on when and where the document was written. A lot of times it happened because, um, especially prior to parchment being readily available, people were writing on, on vellum, on, on thin skins, and yeah. there just wasn't a lot of writing material around. And so people would, you know, quote unquote, erase things by scraping them off and writing over them. And so, yeah, historically, we've found some really interesting documents that way of, of doing the, you know, the x-rays and seeing, seeing yeah. um, that there's these hidden, these hidden writings. And then as parchment became readily available, as, as writing materials were more um, affordable, you stopped, you kind of stopped seeing that. Um, and so this is a particular case where, uh, Giovanni wanted to erase his diary. It was a conscious choice that wasn't motivated by lack of materials or anything, but um, book restorers would have the capacity to sort of see, is there anything hiding here? As, as a book restorer, I can't imagine anything more exciting oh, oh my than God. finding a hidden book. Oh my gosh. <laughs> or, or, you know, uh, people who restore paintings, you know, hidden portraits. Yes. It's the same thing. It's like, oh my yes. gosh. And then you want it to be something amazing. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. and you're just uncovering this whole layer of history that has this story behind it. And, and also um, your novel is set in this really fabulous period of history in such a beautiful place. So how did you go about choosing your locations? So Giovanni Lamazzo is an actual person. Um, and he was a, a, an artist and he did lose his sight. Um, and he was an Italian artist. And so it, that chose itself. Um, and I uncovered the treatise that he wrote during grad school, he actually wrote this treatise on art and it's fascinating. Wow, <laughs> I didn't know that, that's amazing. It's fascinating and it has all these really interesting sketches and it just, it feels mystical and I um, uncovered it and the second I saw it, I was sort of completely captivated. I was like, oh my yeah. God, who wrote this? What is this? I have yeah. to learn more. And it just really, the document itself really invites the imagination because the drawings are so unusual. And the more I researched Giovanni's world and his time period, the more I was just compelled by it and felt, oh, okay, there has to be a story here. And I was not a creative mm -hmm. writer. I didn't, I don't have an MFA. I don't have any training as a, as a, as a creative writer. And so um, it was this, it was this gradual process of just being tapped on the shoulder by this person and by this story and by this time period that was too compelling for me not to do something with it. It just, it felt too amazing and rich. And I just, I, so I start, had to start writing and just, I just did it. And I had a lot of self doubt, but 
Um, I feel that's like- such an in- that's such an incredible route to getting a book written that you weren't even planning to write, but you were so inspired by the story that you discovered, or rather the factors from the history that you discovered, that you you were sort of almost forced by the story into writing it. It's the most interesting thing. And I love talking to people who are creative about their creative. I, I think we all are creative. I'm just going to put that out there. I think everyone is creative. And yeah. um, if anyone wants to write, do it, go for it. Um, but there is this really interesting relationship between the, the between creativity and, and the person, you know, writing or painting or sculpting. You do feel like there's this other energy exerting a force on you and yeah. sort of drawing yeah. you forward. And it's yeah. fascinating. That's amazing. I, I love how you came to write this novel. I, I didn't know that at all. Um, now, one thing that I really want to talk about this novel is the fact that it came as a total surprise to me also as I was reading that my now home country came into it, um, which was such a lovely discovery um, because I never pick up a book and it's about Cyprus. So what was it about that particular area of Phoenician history uh, with the Ottomans that drew you to it? It all sort of fell into place uh, really organically. So as I was researching Giovanni's time period, I learned that the Venetians did enter this war with the Ottoman Empire. And what we forget is how powerful the Ottoman Empire was. If you look, Huge. oh my goodness, yeah. if you look at an old map and look at their territories, it's, yeah. it's fast, it's, it's, a, yeah. Yeah, this whole expanse up through Northern Africa. And um, Cyprus was kind of this uh, island that had a really advantageous location. It could intersect the trade routes and the ships, and it went back and forth between ownership, um, you know, whether it was a, a Venice or the Ottomans, and they were constantly fighting over it. And yeah. this battle, the Battle of Lepanto, um, just happened to take place right when Giovanni was losing his sight the same year that he lost his sight. And so again, it kind of everything just fell into place organically. But definitely, as I was researching, I was, you know, it was like, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. And I just, it was very hard not to go into these huge rabbit holes of, of yeah. naval history. And it's because it's all <laughs> so interesting. It's all so interesting. And if that battle had been, had turned out a, a different way, our history, our whole Western history would be, would be so vastly different. One thing that I really love about the, the novels that I read that are historical fiction is that there is this sort of fictitious tale woven around true events in history. Did you come to this as a historian? Is that your, his, is that your background? I definitely came to it as a researcher. My background, so my, I got a master's in rhetoric. Um, I just wanted to wear turtlenecks and drink red wine and talk about theories. <laughs> Not necessarily a degree I'd recommend for the, you know, the real world, but it, it was interested in. Um, and it involved a lot of research. And so that was my comfort area was doing research. And I probably overdid it on the research because I was so nervous to start writing creatively because yeah. I had so much self-doubt. I had, you know, um, I wasn't sure how to start, um, all of that. And so I began with the research and really got consumed with the research. And then from there, 
the story really emerged on its own in a way it it, it really fell into place based on the historical events um and so I, I i did kind of luck out in a way that things lined up so well historically um and now that i'm working on something new i'm learning how to calibrate that balance of research and writing creatively and letting ideas yeah. form um on their own without the without the influence of a historical date or an event yeah so. when you say you overdid it do you think that you were doing it for too long you would you were almost stopping yourself from starting for right from writing I think a little bit I think I was I think I was staying there a little too long just because it was my comfort zone and it's um and I thought, yeah, it's, I want to encourage anyone who's maybe in a similar position to to venture out of that comfort zone. And I have to, Sorry, uh, yeah. I have to make myself do that all the time. So, and, and I don't think that ever changes. It, like even someone who's, you know, 10, 12 books down the line, they still talk about having self-doubt and whether um, they're going to be able to write the next book. And I think every, every book project feels different. I mean, I'm, I'm on my 11th book. But, um, it, you know, every every project in that number has felt different. And, you know, I, I'm writing something at the moment now and I'm still in that phase of is this going to be any good? Am I, am I getting it right? So I think learning to manage that self-doubt and just saying, well, it's going to be there, but we're going to do it anyway. Like you say, it's just let's get past it and let's get the stories written. And it's so interesting, too, because I, I was... I feel like I've learned about myself as well in the writing and now in, in yeah. writing something new, you know, I've learned, I'm, I'm in the process of learning and maybe I don't think this process ever ends of discovering my own voice. And, yeah. you know, it's, and it's interesting. I, and, and it's funny too. Like, I feel like I could sit down to write a really scary psychological thriller and the characters would just end up having tea and, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. like gossiping about who the kill, you know, it's like, I've learned that there's these parts of myself that just pop up in whatever I write. And for me yeah. personally, it's, it's, you know, I'm just, I, I, I love these cozy settings and, um, uh, as much as I would love to be able to write something really scary, you know, I don't, it's it's interesting. It isn't me, and and I'm discovering that, and so that's been a really fun uh, process. And I think if you can approach it just with that playfulness and that uh, sense of of being the student and letting the process yeah. kind of teach you, that's what I'm trying yeah. to do anyway. It's lovely to hear you talk about that sort of coziness in the book because that really came across to me, um, Rose who has this book restoration bookshop on, on a university campus, if I remember correctly. Everything about that shop and the location, the weather, the way she's inside with her little cat, I just wanted to be there. You create it so beautifully. I wanted to be there too. <laughs> it's, you know, it's the, it's the little bookshop of my dreams. And, you know, I'm, and again, I'm working on another project and, you know, it's, I'm, I'm like, well, this is a lot cozier than I <laughs> thought it would be. At the same time, though, I do I love reading things that are are dramatically different from that. Though I love I love learning from writers who can really do something totally different. So, 
I think this year, though, especially like with the difficulties that we've all had, there's a lot of people that are looking for a, a cozy environment in, in their fiction. They're, they're looking for something that reassures them and comforts them from all the difficulties that people have had in, in whatever capacity that is. Um, and I really found that the book that you wrote, it, it really just it drew me in and I wanted to be there. I, I wanted to follow their story. So I, I, I think you did it beautifully. Thank you so much. I, it's, it's still such a weird thing that it's out in the world to me. <laughs> like this little this <laughs> thing I wrote alone in my little room is out in the world. And um, One of the themes that comes through both of the narratives that you wrote about is about forbidden love and how difficult it is for some people to face up to their feelings. Um, were there any other themes in the book that you set out to explore? Um, or was something like the idea of forbidden love something that came very organically at, through the process? That came pretty organically. Um, I think knowing that Giovanni lost his sight as an artist, losing his sight, the the concept of that concept of loss was there from the get-go and then as i began to write i was you know i was interested in um i'm always interested in relationships i'm a hopeless romantic i can't help it i'm it just again it's it's just in my dna hopeless romantic i will choose the the romance the rom-com every time um and so I, I, I think that was something that was just bound to happen, was, was an emphasis on relationships. And because I had this initial theme of loss, I naturally started to explore what it means to, to lose that person that you have. You know, William is going through marital, marital struggles. Mm-hmm. And um, what is it to, to lose someone who's still there and yeah. to sort of watch something that you have, whether it's your eyesight, whether it's your spouse, drift away from you and feel like there's nothing you can do to stop it. And how do you save that? How do you, um, how do you come back together? So that, those, those concepts, those themes were um, sort of top of mind for me when I was writing. And what is it that you want to leave behind? So I was also, of course, interested in art and and art is is something that the the artist leaves behind this sort of thumbprint of of their soul and how how does that work what does that feel like um if you aren't an artist how do you how do you still feel like you are making an impact or having some effect on the world these were all these were all um the themes that sort of naturally came to me as i was writing and are you an artist? Do you do you love art? Have a passion for it? I love art. Yes, I'm. I mean, I'm a hobbyist. <laughs> my father's. Right. My father. I grew up with a, a painter as a father. Um, so he was an artist. My uncle's an artist. My grandma's an artist. My whole family's artists. Um, right. And it was a challenging life, you know. You see the ups and downs of, oh, this, you know lots of yeah. sales now and then you know not so many sales and and yeah. um and that's another thing that i'm kind of constantly interested in is the relationship between art and patronage you know the people who support the arts and yeah 
and the artist sort of having to make certain pieces to satisfy the demands of the patron, but then also having these other pieces that are, are what they're passionate about and what they're really wanting to express. And so that tension too has always been interesting to me. Um, and so, yeah, I, growing up surrounded by art, uh, I just, I couldn't not be a, a fan of art in, you know, with that, with that upbringing. But that said, um, I still feel like I have so much to learn about art history. It's, it's you know, it's never completed. And, um, and I have so much to learn still about, you know, painting technique. I'm not a, a professional artist or anything. So learning is, is, is still exciting for me. Have you been painting through 2020? No, I've been running after my toddler. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I want, you know, my dad, I have all these sketches of, of, you know, little drawings my dad did of, of me and my sister when we were little. And so I have to do that for her. I have to do some sketches. That's such um, a beautiful thing to have. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I remember posing and like having a really hard time staying still. Um, and so I'm, you know, I keep telling myself, okay, I have to start sketching her. I have to, I have to start doing um, little drawings. But no, it has been just chaos trying to balance, trying to write in these little little snatches of time, and and then chasing after her. But she also puts everything in perspective for me. So I know you, I know you know that, you know that. Experience. Oh, I can sympathize with running after a toddler. It's not easy to work when you have a toddler at home or a small child. Yeah. It's very, very difficult. Yeah. But I mean, she does, um, she does make, she, she clarifies, you know, what I'm doing. I have to feel really, uh, I have to feel dr driven to, to pull myself away from her. And so she does crystallize yeah. what I'm actually interested in and, and what can kind of drop away. That's that's so true. I think I think this year has done that for a lot of people in different ways for you with being time away from your toddler. This year's definitely sort of held a microscope over what we do with our time. And a lot of the things have been taken from us without our intention. But it's given us that opportunity of having a sort of clean slate um, and, and working out what we want to return to. Um, are you you working on something at the moment, your next project? I'm trying to. So, you know, fingers crossed, we'll see what happens with it. But yeah, I mean, you, you are, you put it so well, you know, we see during this time period what actually matters and what's, what's really yeah. important. Yeah. Um, and everything that we can live without, right? <laughs> yeah, and, absolutely. Absolutely. And for me, it's, I, I, I feel like once I gave myself permission to write, I realized that this was what I wanted to do. And so, you know, I'm still in that, oh my goodness, I'm, I'm writing and I can be a writer. And so I'm still really excited about the process and learning and, and continuing to work and continuing to um, put these stories that are circling around in my head on, onto the page. And so, um, I have a lot of energy for that. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm working on another, on another piece. Um, and hopefully it'll, it'll come to fruition. We'll see 
it all depends on on you know if my editor likes it and um yeah but fortunately i have a, like five other ideas <laughs> they're just like, <laughs> like oh the door's open okay great yes you know, yeah. just running through so have you got them all written down in a notebook I've, because yeah, i'll I've, definitely I've, leave <laughs> yeah i have i have little notes i'm like oh okay i'm grateful for that too that that there's a lot of ideas that have sort of just come come uh screaming into interview now that i open that door for them so and what does your writing process look like just total chaos <laughs> it's like how fast can i make the cup of coffee before she wakes up you know and and, and um right i'm trying to wake up earlier and earlier you know to get that morning time before she wakes up and yeah. uh, trying to write during her nap but it's like if I write then the dishes don't get done it's just, you know I'm, I have an amazingly supportive spouse I'm not throwing him under the bus that's incredible but yeah. it is you know it's it's just life it's it's yeah you know you're just, just a constant juggle and so I'm doing my best to not mind the dirty dishes as much and also to just let things flow how they're gonna go that day you know I will say though that that if you really want to do something, it'll, it'll happen. You know, I, I yeah. wrote this first book, you know, in the odd scraps of time I had around a really stressful job. And, you know, now I'm, I'm able to not be in that job at the moment. Um, and I'm still finding little scraps of time because the toddlers is, is coming, yeah. to, <laughs> yeah. coming to being, um, but if you if you want to do something it's you'll make the time you know and with the lost story of venice if you had to try to summarize it for readers who've not yet discovered it what would you tell them it is ultimately about oh, this is tough because it's it's it is about art um but the theme that really crops up for me is is that idea of almost love because both of the um both of the characters in both of the time periods experience that 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 almost love that feeling of wow if the timing had just been a little bit different if things had lined up just a little bit differently and i feel like we all sort of have that experience where we can think, so. <laughs> think back and say, wow, if, if that, that was really close and what would have happened if, if things, you know, if I hadn't, you know, had to move or whatever it was that, that, um, that caused the love to be an almost love. And so I think that's, that's the theme that is most compelling to me. And I think that's the theme that really weaves throughout the whole book um and if you had to pick one genre to describe it as would you describe oh. it as a historical fiction or would you describe it as a love story oh this is really hard because um in my reviews i've had i've had people recommend it as both um and so i don't i mean i think i would say because the because the book is so much about relationships and so much about love, I would say um, it's I would 
emphasize the romance because then people who like romance will just get a healthy dose of historical fiction. But I don't want to, you know, people, yeah. who, people who like historical fiction don't necessarily care about romance. Um, but it really is uh, uh, equal, equal parts both. So. For me, it was such a beautiful story. It was very emotive, so many beautiful feelings in the story, but it, it does offer that huge, rich tapestry of history um, through which the stories are told. So I definitely think to say it's both is just exactly there. Option three, both. <laughs> and both. <laughs> and I don't want to put you on the spot, but would it be okay for you to give us a little taste of the novel? Would you be able sure. to do a small reading? Yes. Let's see. I have it right here. I'm just going to read the prologue because I think okay. that does a good job of, of setting this stage. Great. So here's the prologue. She could smell him standing this close, a fresh wet scent brought in from outside where it just begun to rain. Warm earth cut by an edge of ozone, the tentative odor of spring. Rose concentrated on keeping her hands steady. Whoever tied these knots had really outdone themselves. Digging with her blunt nails, she finally pried the strings free. As she unwrapped the linen that swaddled the stack of papers, another scent blossomed, the familiar dry aroma of disintegrating vellum. She slid her fingers down the loops of stiff thread that held the stack together. The top page was blank, patinated by a layer of grime. She lifted one corner, felt the threads putting pressure on the already cracking parchment. He leaned in closer. Tried to open it, but that paper looks ready to tear. The remnants of a Southern accent hung at the margins of his voice. She imagined wood smoke and stars. But I thought I saw a few drawings inside. Well, I think we should cut these pages loose. Do you mind? She looked up. His eyes were dark, iris nearly indistinguishable from pupil. He shook his head. Go on. With small scissors retrieved from the top left desk drawer, Rose snipped the binding. A glint of silver, and the threads laid sprawled and severed on the tabletop. She removed the cover sheet and surveyed the title page. Italian calligraphy swirled across the parchment, ornate designs inked into each corner. Trattato dell'arte della pittura, scultura e architettura di Giovanni Paolo Lamazzo. She read the title out loud. My Italian isn't very good, but I think pittura is painting, so... Treatise on the Art of Painting, Sculpture, and Architecture. It's a book about art? He glanced back down at the page. Well, that's what the title says. Oh, but that's what I do. I mean, I'm an artist. He scraped his fingers through his hair, then crossed his arms tightly, as if he didn't know what to do next with his hands. Oh, that was amazing. Thank you. And your Italian is very good. <laughs> I butchered the Italian. <laughs> it sounded good to me. Yeah, I didn't no, speak I'm it. But... <laughs> it. I, I'm okay with French, but uh, I'm sure I, I'm sure I, I, I butchered that. But you get the idea. Well, you really do, and it's so nice to revisit that because it just—it's so evocative. There's so many images and so much feeling, so much description, but just the right amount that keeps it moving. It's so beautiful. I love this book. So I'm, so, I'm really, really. You are so it. sweet. Thank you so much. It's it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for being here with us today. I hope that everyone goes out and buys this. It's now available in hardback in the UK, right? It, and it, the US. I, um, yes, it's available everywhere, hardback and paperback in the UK. So. 
I would love, and if anyone wants to connect with me, I'm on, I'm on Twitter and I'm on Instagram the most, and I love, love talking to readers. So, um, we're definitely going to make sure we've got your handles in the (laughs) comments here. So anybody that wants to connect, then please do. You won't regret it. This is a beautiful book. Thank you so much. Thank you so much.